Hello, everybody, and welcome to Don't Burst My Bubble. I'm your host, Josh Ascroft, and on today's episode of the show, we're going to be breaking down all of the games from yesterday, August 1st. So that's Lakers Raptors, Jazz Thunder, Clippers Pelicans, Heat Nuggets, and also, not to forget, of course, Pacers Sixers and TJ Warren's outrageous 53-point performance, as well as giving you your daily injury report for all the games that are happening for today, and a preview for exactly what it is you should be looking out for in today's game. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. This is Don't Bust My Bubble. So let's kick things off quickly first with your injury report for today as of 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, so for or Washington at Brooklyn, which I'm sure all of you will be watching, it's just Jamal Crawford, who is questionable once again, and Matthew uh, Garrison Matthews for the Wizards. Uh, for Blazers Boston, just Jalen Adams, so we'll expect to see Kemba Walker back out there on the floor, uh, most likely still on that minute restriction that we saw him um, on for the Bucks game. We will have uh, Grizzlies Suns happening today. For that, it's just Tyus Jones and Justice Winslow out for the Grizzlies and for the Spurs. Uh, Marco Bellinelli, Bryn Forbes, and Trey Lyles are all out. Uh, for the Magic Kings game, uh, not too much. The only thing to really worry about is Marvin Bagley, still out, of course, for the Kings. For Rocket Bucks, just Eric Gordon on the Rocket side, and also Eric Bledsoe and Pat Connaughton again for the Bucks. They're still rehabbing, um, not rehabbing, sorry, sort of getting back into conditioning uh, after coming into the bubble a little late. And then Mavs Suns, uh, same as we had previously for both of these teams. Courtney Lee is out, Dwight Powell is out, and Kelly Oubre Jr. is out. So, let's move on to the games that happened yesterday, and boy, were some of them exciting. I mean, really good. Uh, let's start by talking about Pacers Sixers, and uh, an interesting matchup. I didn't expect the Pacers to do this. I didn't expect the si- uh, I don't think the Sixers expected the Pacers to win either, but TJ Warren, who was acquired uh, from the Suns by the Pacers for cash considerations, dropped 53 points on the Sixers' dome. Um, Joel Embiid had a really good game, putting up over 40 points, over 20 rebounds. Uh, but the Sixers just didn't look like they were sitting right, to be perfectly honest. They didn't look to be gelling particularly well. Uh, Joel Embiid getting very frictious with Shake Milton, which was pretty harsh, given that this is Shake's... Uh, well, it's his first real start, like, as point guard. He doesn't usually get to start games like this unless it's uh, an injury to Ben Simmons or, or something along those lines. But now with Ben running the power forward, Shake gets to come in at that starting point guard position. Um, Embiid was pretty harsh on him. There were some clips where, essentially, uh, Shake didn't manage to get over a screen, which meant that Joel was left defending two guys in the paint, and then Shake ended up losing the ball after... In the next play, Shake ends up losing the ball because Embiid kind of hurls it at him from the inbound pass and it gets stolen. Um, so Embiid very frustrated with him, which didn't look particularly good. Obviously, the Sixers team is one that we've been worried about in the past in terms of does their chemistry work together. We know that Joel Embiid tends to be kind of a whiny baby a lot of the time, uh, and it doesn't seem like four months off has changed any of that. He still seems to... Um, be an incredibly dominant player, but one who's also uh, pretty easily distracted 
um, and not what the Sixers team needs right now. They need to be getting wins on the board, obviously still in that uh, sixth seed in the East. They want to be trying to get up from that point. They do not want to be uh, continuing to sit there, in, in all honesty. Uh, I'm sure they'd much rather move up to the five spot. Uh, but there, there you have it. The Pacers putting them away. Other than TJ Warren, that was basically the only good performance from the Pacers. Victor Oladipo played and looked fine. Um, good to see that he's going to be playing in the bubble. Uh, other than that, just hats off to TJ Warren. Let's hope he keeps up performances like that. First 50-piece in the bubble. James Harden just narrowly missing out the other night. We'll see if he can get there today. Okay, let's move on. So, um... Lakers at Raptors was the last game of the night, and it was a really fun one to watch with the Raptors winning 107-92. to We break down the box score a little bit. Lowry had a great game, 33 points on 8 of 16 uh, shooting from the field, 5 of 9 from the three-point line, and 12 of 15 from the charity stripe. He had 14 rebounds, which was a career high, and 6 assists, so... What a game by Lowry, outplaying both LeBron and Anthony Davis, so particularly impressive from him. Uh, OG Ananobi, I thought, was outstanding on both the offensive and defensive ends of the floor. He had 23 points, 8 of 9 from the field, 3 of 3 from 3, 4 of 4 from the free throw line, 4 rebounds and 2 steals, as well as just playing exceptional defense on LeBron for the entire game. Uh, Siakam, 15 points, not a bad performance from him, 5 of 17 from the field, so not his most efficient numbers, 2 of 4 from 3, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and 2 blocks, so while it wasn't his best shooting night, definitely stuffed the stat sheet everywhere else. Freddie Van Fleet, one of my absolute favorites, 13 points, 5 of 11 uh, from the field, 3 of 7 from 3, 11 assists, and 5 rebounds. On the Lakers side of the ball, LeBron had 20 points. He was 7 of 15 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3. He had 10 rebounds and 5 assists. Kyle Kuzma, 16 points, 5 of, uh, 5 of 13 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3. And finally, um, only other real notable, notable performance from the Lakers was Anthony Davis, who had just 14 points on just 2 of 7 from the field. Made all of his free throws, though, 9 for 9, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, and 3 blocks. So let's talk about this. The Raptors are a team. Uh, if you weren't aware of it, the Raptors were um, actually on a training camp in Florida before the bubble. They flew down a little early, were in Fort Myers, and they had their own training camp. And I think it's obvious to see, as it was through the season, just how much of a squad these guys are. They roll together so well. They are so dominant on the defensive end of the floor. It really just shakes teams up. The Lakers can be... A really good offensive team, but they never got LeBron or Anthony Davis rolling by any capacity due to just the outstanding defense um, the the Raptors were playing. And it was, this wasn't the whole story. The Lakers did get some good looks that they just couldn't knock down. But uh, in, in all honesty, I, I attribute a lot of it to OG Ananobi did a tremendous job locking down LeBron. Kyle Lowry was his usual uh, self taking charges left and right, uh, great on that end of the floor. Freddie Van Fleet, also a very capable guy on the defensive end of the floor. I thought the uh, he's just a real nuisance. He's a real pest on the defensive end, and I think that that really throws a lot of guys off. Um, yeah, that, that that's what I really took away from this Raptors team. I am actually tentatively 
gonna be saying that the Raptors might be my pick from the East to make it to the finals. They're just they're not a usual finals team in the sense that they don't have a top five or even top ten player in the league right now on the team, but they gel together so well. They've got that championship DNA. Nick Nurse is a tremendous coach, uh, and they look fantastic out there. I mean, this Lakers team going against the Clippers looked pretty evenly matched, and and while I didn't think at any point the the Raptors were in total control, I felt like Kyle Lowry thought they were in total control. I thought that the Raptors, I thought Nick Nurse thought that they had a good amount of control on the game. I was constantly afraid that the Lakers were going to creep up, but even when the Lakers went on runs and, you know, the largest lead that the Lakers took for the night was just six points, the Raptors really weren't shaken up by that. They were able to just sort of play their game. They were really confident in themselves, and they know that they're the champs for a reason. It wasn't entirely Kawhi. They've got a lot of great players on that roster, too, who are severely underrated for the most part. So that was a really fun game to watch. Lakers fans maybe be a little bit little bit concerned at some of these performances. I think LeBron really is just trying to, you know, rest himself. I felt like he was going at about 85% for the majority of the game. Uh, he tons it up in certain possessions, and he was definitely getting really frustrated at a lot of the calls that were made last night. Um, so I really didn't feel like LeBron was going at 100%. Anthony Davis honestly got clamped up on a lot of possessions. Siakam did a really good job of guarding him on a couple of key possessions. Um, but great job by the Raptors and Raptors fans. I'd be really happy. I think that your team can absolutely make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, if not the Finals. So love to watch that. The Raptors are one of my absolute favorite teams to watch in the entire league. So let's move on, talk a little bit about Jazz at Thunder. The Thunder won 110-94. The Thunder had six players who were in double digits. So Shea Gilgis-Alexander led the team with 19 points. Chris Paul had 18 points. Steven Adams had 16 points. Gallinari had 15 points. Dennis Schroeder had 13 points. And Baisley had 10 points. So a really great all-round performance by the Thunder. The Jazz... Let's talk about this stagnant offense. The highest scorer on the team was Donovan Mitchell with 13 points. That cannot be happening, and it is becoming exceedingly obvious that the lack of Bogdanovich actually, while initially we thought, hey, maybe this unlocks Mike Conley a little bit more, it really just leaves an offensive hole in the Jazz's lineup. Um, you can't be putting up performances like this and even expect to get out of the, th the first round. I think that the Jazz are one of the most confusing teams in the league, sat in that fourth spot um, in the West. With the Thunder playing the way that they did, Chris Paul just playing out of his mind for most of the time. He's in such great control over everything without even seeming to try. The, I see the Thunder, they could move up to that fourth spot. Who knows, maybe they could even knock off Denver in the three spot. You just don't know. But there's not too much to talk about for this game. I thought that the Jazz were incredibly boring to watch in this game. It looked like they had absolutely no idea what their offensive identity was. And the Thunder just had fun with them. They, they had such a great lead throughout the majority of the game that you didn't really see even any of the clutch plays that we've come so used to seeing from this Thunder squad through uh, this season. So really just good job by the Thunder, bad job by the Jazz. Moving on, we had the Pelicans at Clippers. The Clippers winning 126-103. to We won't spend too much time on this game because there wasn't 
that much to see other than the Clippers raining absolute hellfire down on the Pelicans from the three-point line. Uh, so let's kick things off with this box score breakdown. The Clippers, Paul George had 28 points. He went 8 of 17 from the field. All eight of those makes coming from the three-point line where he went 8 for 11. Kawhi had a great game, 24 points, 6 of 16 from the field, 10 of 11 from the free throw line. He had 6 rebounds and 5 assists. And Reggie Jackson also added 15 points off the bench. The Pelicans really struggled on the offensive end of the floor tonight. I mean, they weren't brilliant on defense either, but Ingram was the highest scorer on the team with 14 points. Lonzo with another bad game. He was just... Uh, with seven points on two of six from the field, and Zion had seven points in the 14 minutes that he was allowed to play. Uh, the Pelicans not bothering him, not bothering to play him for much longer than that, simply because they were completely out of the game already. Um, it, you know, by the second quarter, even so, the Clippers broke their franchise three-point record by making 25 threes in this game of the 47 that they attempted. Paul George made three threes in the opening minute, so that really set the tone for how the game was going to go. In uh, response to a question about the game against the Lakers, Paul George said that as a group, we thought we weren't ourselves. We were trying to get our identity back. Uh, We had closing the season out before the pandemic hit. It just hadn't been us, and tonight was a huge emphasis on ball movement, playing comfortable, playing among each other, and having fun. I thought you saw that tonight. And I completely agree with Paul George. I mean, it definitely helps when you're not playing a defense like the Lakers and you're playing the Pelicans, who, for all purposes, have been awful on the defensive end of the floor throughout the season. Um, Obviously, the lack of Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell makes less of a difference when you're only going up against this very limited Pelicans roster. Kawhi and Paul George able to feast early and really not have to play too many minutes toward the end of the game. And I think the biggest takeaway, or here are my biggest two takeaways from this game. Paul George looks really good, looks really healthy, and I think that we could be getting an outstanding playoff performance from him. Uh, One of the announcers was saying in the game yesterday that, you know, you can put uh, Paul George in a series against just about anyone, and while he may not be the best player on the floor overall, he can be the best player in a seven-game series against anyone in the league. He's so good on both ends of the floor, as is Kawhi, obviously. But with the way that Paul George's three-point shooting has been looking these first couple games back, watch out for Paul George, man. I don't know I don't know what team's going to be doing with him, but he's going to be a problem. As for the Pelicans, my real takeaway from this game was just, I don't know, do they want to win? Like, do, do they want to make that 90? Do... Uh, are we sure that that's what they even want to be doing? Because it didn't come across that way. It looked like they fell apart completely. By the end of the first quarter, their heads were hanging low, uh, really low team morale, and it looked like from the first quarter that that team was beat. And they're running out of opportunities. Like, this is this is not the time for them to be slacking. If they're going to catch the Grizzlies, then they best hope that they can put better performances together than this one because the Trailblazers aren't messing around. They're here to play basketball. They're here for the nine seed, if not taking the eight. So Pelicans, I don't know if you just want to get bounced out of Orlando. I don't know if this is like we don't want to risk Zion getting hurt or whatever for the sake of the franchise, but 
you're not making that play-in tournament playing like this, so I hope the Pelicans can pick it up for their next game. And finally, for the games from last night, we had Heat at Nuggets. Oh, this was the first game of yesterday. Uh, I'm sorry. The Heat won 125-105. to 105. A great performance by the Heat with Bam Adebayo scoring 22 points. He was 7 of 12 from the field, had 9 rebounds and 6 assists. Jimmy Butler matched that with 22 points of his own, 6 of 11 from the field, 7 assists, 4 rebounds, and 3 steals. Kelly Olynyk was lights out in the fourth quarter with all 20 of his points coming in that fourth quarter, becoming just the second player in the history of the Miami Heat to score 20 points in a fourth quarter, with Dwayne Wade being the other. So, wow, Olynyk making some history there. And Duncan Robinson, that man from Michigan, again, absolutely unstoppable from the three-point line. 17 points, three of seven from three, so not quite unstoppable, but you know what I mean. He's there, he's doing his thing, he's balling out. On the Nugget side of the floor, pretty low scoring on all accounts. Jokic had 19 points, 7 of 16 from the field, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. Jeremy Grant, 19 points off the bench. Thank goodness they had that, if not. The Nuggets would have been blown out even more. He was 7 of 14 from the field. And we had Montemoris with 13 points, 3 of 7 from the field. My main takeaway from this uh, game was that the Heat are legit. And I've thought that for a while. I mentioned on a previous podcast, I thought that, you know, they are probably a little better in the in the seedings than they actually are at, at playing. I don't know if I can stand by that anymore. The Heat looked really great. Adebayo and Butler together are one of my favorite duos to watch in the NBA. They fit so nicely together. They fit so well into the Heat system. And then you just surround them with guys who can absolutely launch it from three. And you're going to win a lot of basketball games. I I don't know what to say other than the fact that the Nuggets were really missing um, uh, Jamal Murray at the guard position. He wasn't able to play due to injury. And I think that it was really obvious that they missed him out on the floor to do anything in terms of scoring. With Murray, you know that he can easily put up between 18 to 30 points on any given night. And the Nuggets were really missing that offensive firepower. Uh, Jokic looked good, looked like his usual self. It was a shame we didn't get to see as much ball ball as we have in the scrimmages. He only played about 10 minutes this game. Uh, so that was, you know, a little d- disappointing to not see more ball ball. But other than that, it was really just the Heat's night. They they took it away uh, right from the beginning. Or well, the Heat's day, rather. I keep forgetting that this game happened at, like, 2 p.m. Because all of these games are happening at crazy times right now. But a great day of basketball. I really enjoyed watching it. And let's talk about the games that you have to look forward to today. Uh... Of course, the the uh, number one game that you're going to be looking forward to for today, at least in my mind, is Bucks Rockets. But first, let's talk a little bit about Trailblazers Celtics. So this is going to be an important game for both teams. The Celtics obviously coming off of that loss against the Bucks. The Trailblazers coming off their win against the Grizzlies. Now, the Trailblazers are in a really important time right now. A win for them here would be critical, and I think they can do it if. Dame and CJ can play as well as they did against the Grizzlies. Maybe if Dame can shoot a little better from three. If Nurkic can play like he did against the Grizzlies, I think this Blazers team can win this game, which is absolutely essential to them, in my mind, to keep up this little streak of winning. They can knock up two wins in a row. I think that's going to put them in a great place to be moving towards capturing 
and holding on to that nine seed through these seeding games, the Blazers continue to be my pick to get that play-in tournament appearance. The Celtics, interesting stuff happening for them, obviously. Kemba Walker, what is happening with those knees? What's, what is going to happen? Is he, is he going to be okay? Are we going to see more of him playing today? He played about 16 minutes uh, when the Celtics played the Bucks. And of course, Jason Tatum had that just awful performance, scoring just five points against the Bucks. The question now is, can Jason Tatum bounce back? I think this would be a good game for him to do it. This Blazers defense is nowhere near what the Bucks defense is. So hopefully this is going to be an opportunity for Jason Tatum to get some confidence back, to feel that shot a little bit more, to take it to the rim with a little bit more confidence, finish up there better. Because that's what the Celtics team desperately needs right now, especially if they're going to be having consistent limited minutes from Kemba Walker. You need Jason Tatum to step up and be the leading scorer on the team. And this would be a really great opportunity for him to do that. The other big game of the day that you want to hear about, Spurs-Grizzlies. I mean, before I jump into it, Spurs-Grizzlies could be interesting. That's an important game if the Grizzlies want to keep on to the 8th seed. The Spurs looked pretty nice the other day, so so who knows what could happen there. Kings Magic, we're not going to talk about. And Bucks Rockets. So this is just a fun matchup because obviously, I keep saying obviously, I need to stop doing that. Some of you might not know these things. I'm the one who's meant to be here giving you this information. I'm going to stop saying obviously so much. Bucks Rockets. So the Bucks and the Rockets have a little bit of beef, or at least Giannis and James Harden do anyway. Um, Giannis and Harden had this beef around the All-Star break where um, there were some jabs made. I can't recall who made the first jab, but it was some jokes around the fact that Giannis says that James Harden doesn't pass, which actually just isn't true. James Harden has really good assist numbers, and he has for a lot of years now. Um, Giannis taking some jabs there, and James Harden jabbing back, saying that essentially Giannis doesn't have any skill and that it would be great. He could do whatever he wanted to if he was seven feet tall as well. So I think that's just going to be fun. I think that watching Giannis go against the small ball Rockets lineup, the Bucks are most likely going to have to play a lot more minutes with Giannis at the five if they're going to keep him on the floor. You just can't run against this Rockets team if you have... I don't know, Giannis and a Brooke Lopez on the floor. I just don't see that happening. So expect extended minutes with Giannis at the five. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the Rockets go about defending him. I'm not sure they really have the capabilities to do that. PJ Tucker is going to be having a awful time on Giannis. Um, and expect to see a good performance by the Bucks defense for the most part. I think the uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook have the potential to go to town a little bit because Eric Bledsoe will not be on the floor, who is a key defensive piece um, at the guard position for the Bucks. So James Harden or Russell Westbrook could have some really uh, big numbers this game, as could the Bucks. I'd say this game is more important to the Rockets uh, than it is for the Bucks, with the Bucks, you know, still having that one seed. Uh, over in the East, but I, you know, I don't think Giannis believes in going lightly. I think that he'll go 100% for every minute that he's on the floor, and I think that for the sake of their personal beef, I think that Giannis is going to want to beat them. So that's my game to watch for today. I think that's going to be the most exciting one, uh, so be sure to tune into that. I will be back tomorrow for everything that you need to know about what happened today. If you missed any of the games or just want to hear more of a breakdown, I will be giving you your injury report, of course. 
for everything that it is that you need to know for the games that are happening tomorrow. This has been so much fun. I'm really having a great time recording these podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Don't Burst My Bubble, and I will speak to you tomorrow.